Today we're sharing a bonus episode of the M-Files. Recently, the Mountain Plains Museum Association wrapped up a four-day virtual conference. Originally, MPMA planned on having their meeting in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. However, plans had to change due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, we're interviewing Heidi Vaughn, the current MPMA president and director of the Laboratory of History Museum at the University of Central Oklahoma in Edmond, Oklahoma. Heidi will be sharing a recap of the 2020 virtual conference and some of the challenges faced by MPMA to move forward with the conference online. Before getting to our interview, let's check in with John, who has a couple of housekeeping items. Hi, this is John, and before we get to our interview with Heidi Vaughn, here's a couple of quick housekeeping items. First, if you haven't yet, please find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going in the weeks between episodes. You can contact us through our Facebook page or via email at themfilespodcast at gmail.com. We're planning on dropping two episodes a month on the first and third Fridays, but please check regularly. We may drop a bonus episode like this one from time to time featuring a timely interview or news story. So with housekeeping out of the way, let's turn it over to Patty, who will kick off our special interview with MPMA President Heidi Vaughn. Just a little background for our listeners. Mountain Plains Museums Association is one of six regional museum associations in the U.S. Founded in 1953, MPMA represents 10 states across the uh, Mountain Plains region, including Texas, Wyoming, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Kansas, Montana, and Colorado. And we are fortunate to be talking with Heidi Vaughn, the current MPMA president. Her two-year term started in 2019. This year, due to the pandemic, we had the first virtual conference affiliated with MPMA. The conference ran from September 29th to October 2nd, and we would like to dive into some of the issues that came up this year as we are all negotiating a new reality. So our first question is actually the question that we ask all of our guests. Um, We want to start off by asking you, what is the strangest thing that's ever happened to you at a museum? Now, this could be the current museum that you work at. It could be a museum you used to work at. It could even be a museum that you were a visitor at once. Okay. Uh, Well, I actually did listen to your first podcast and I heard you all uh, describe your strangest things. And Patty, I did hear you say, you don't have that many, but you've tried to have some. So <laughs> I thought that sounds like Pat, the Patty I know. She tried to have some strange things. <laughs> um, I have a few that come to mind. Um, I think uh, probably the one that was, well, maybe I'm sure it's happened to other people in museums, but um, we did a few years ago. Um, well, since I've been working in my current position, we've had a few instances where we found uh, some items of ordinance that were tucked away in boxes and hadn't been processed. Um, I've always contacted the campus police when we found these so they can analyze them and provide guidance on handling and whether or not they're dangerous. Um, A few years ago, we were processing a a box and came across some ordinance items. The campus police were called and they came and they cleared all of the items except for one and it was a stick grenade. And I don't know if you're familiar with those. They called them potato mashers. That's what they look like. Um, But they were were used in World War II and in Vietnam, some, somewhat. 
Um, so one of the officers was concerned that uh, the grenade felt heavy on the end that would contain the explosive material. So, so he thought, oh, this might be live. Um, so the campus police decided to evacuate the building. Oh, no. And yeah, we're housed on the mezzanine level, which is the top level of a three level historic building on campus. Um, on the bottom, there are students in classes. Um, on the second level, there are offices for various departments. So everyone had to evacuate. And this was right before spring break. So a lot of the professors and some of the people working in the offices were like really not very happy. Um, so um, unfortunately, but uh, so the police called our city's bomb squad unit. We actually have a bomb, bomb squad unit in our city. And I have these great photos of my students standing outside excited <laughs> about what's happening because you know we're in museums and we'll take all the excitement we can get you know <laughs> um yeah we also have photos of the bomb squad truck and so they brought in a scanner to scan the item in the museum and they still weren't able to tell uh conclusively whether or not it was live for some reason um we later found out that the end of the grenade that had been filled with it um the explosive material was now filled with cement. Oh, to, okay. Yeah, to make it weighted so they could use it for training and it would feel more like a real life grenade. But it took our police going to the army and asking them about it. And um, so what I decided after all of this craziness is that all of our uh, items that are ordnance in the collection, um, I took them to the bomb squad and they have stamped them with a little inert stamp on them. I thought, okay, this is okay. Um, because this will, you know, prevent this happening in the future. That's probably the one of the strange things, you know, but it, it's not really strange, but it's kind of strange. That's, that's still a great museum story. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So, so Heidi, how did your involvement with MPMA begin? Uh, okay, yeah, uh, it's been a long involvement, which i I'm so grateful for. Um, I attended my first conference when I was a grad student and uh, it was here in Oklahoma at, in Guthrie. Um, a couple of years later, when I was working in my first museum job, I really wanted to get involved with MPMA because I had been so impressed um, and I learned so much when I had attended the conference. Um, I reached out to Montalie Bacon. Uh, she was the director at the time and asked her how I could come, become involved. Uh, she re recommended that I start by serving as a committee member, and she gave me some options, and I ended up on the scholarship committee, which I know Patty <laughs> has a lot of experience with, and it was great, um, and during my the last 20 years as a member and attending conferences, I haven't missed a conference since 2000, um, I've served as a chair of several committees, uh, EMP, SMAC, auctions, uh, conference program. Uh, I've served as the Oklahoma rep, uh, at-large board member, VP, and now president. So yeah, that's how I got involved. And then I just kept getting, <laughs> getting more and more involved. And it's been just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, the scholarship committee is a great way to get involved with MPMA. It really is. Scholarship chair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's plug it, yeah. Um, due to the pandemic, MPMA 
moved its conference online this year, which was a completely different platform and format from the way that things have been done right. in the past. Um, completely different. How different was the planning on the back end or the front end of the conference? Yeah, um, well, I'd say <laughs> the planning was, it was the same in some ways and, the dif and different, you know, in others. Um, we, uh, we really went back and forth during the first few months of the pandemic, um, thinking about how we'd handle the conference. Um, so our first thought was to go ahead, hold the conference in person since by September, everything's gonna be back to normal, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We can still have it in September. Um, but uh, then we decided that we should probably hold it in person with a virtual component. Uh, for those who might not be able to attend because we were starting to see uh, museums closing temporarily and budgets being slashed travel budgets. Um, and then a little bit later it came, became evident that there just wasn't any way to safely hold the conference in person. So we knew we had one of two choices and that was basically holding an online conference or just foregoing a conference. And we really felt it was important to hold some type of conference. Um, I really uh, have to emphasize, I know how much this organization and the conference have meant to me over the years. And it's always just, it served as a, I don't know, a way that like recharges my work energy <laughs> um, by attending the sessions and workshops and uh, listening to speakers. Uh, there's so many new ideas and uh, ways to tackle challenges and and of course the best part is networking and visiting with colleagues and friends who I get to see once a year and who understand what I do and they also have the same type of um, like day-to-day uh, -day experiences um, which are rewarding and difficult sometimes um, but yeah the conference really is something that has helped me reaffirm every year what that what I do is important and that I'm part of a much bigger picture. And I see all these other people who are part of that big picture too. Uh, so I know that a lot of our membership feels that way too. And so it was really important that we had something, <laughs> some kind of gathering. Um, let's see, um, ways that it was different. Um, our Sioux Falls host committee, so they were wonderful and they were, you know, we had been planning with them to be in Sioux Falls. Um, they agreed to plan for a 2021 conference um, and they understood completely why we were doing this. Uh, so we restructured our program committee, um, asked our session presenters who had already been accepted to join us in Sioux Falls next year uh, instead of this year. <clears throat> and then we started weekly meetings. Uh, we discussed how we'd organize conference, what platform we'd use, who would be in charge of different tasks. Um, we relied heavily on our board members, including John. <laughs> uh, he was our tech guy and he really, he really helped. Too. Yeah, is he your tech guy too? <laughs> he made things just flow seamlessly throughout the conference. So thank you so much, John, for that. Yeah. Um, and our director, Justin Jackback. He organized and kind of fit all the parts together and kept the wheels turning. Um, but we, we turned some of our traditional um, activities and events 
um, into similar things, such as the auction. We did a raffle, uh, which worked really well. Um, our program committee switched the program format up a little. So we had theme days instead of a variety of sessions each day. Um, and, and I felt like our sessions were really timely and relevant uh, to what's going on right now. Uh, we had keynotes almost every day, which we don't normally have at conferences, but I think it worked really well. And then we had our Zoom friendly <laughs> social events uh, in the evenings. We had trivia, uh, personal collections, show and tell, where we found out John is probably the biggest Ghostbusters fan on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and we shared all our horror stories, museum horror stories. Um, so we changed a few things, but we wanted to keep, kind of keep the feel of, of the MPMA conference, that kind of fun and intimate and the camaraderie and everything. So I think it, it, was, it was successful, although online it was successful. And I think it gave our members, you know, some of the things they're accustomed to getting through our, through our conference. So. so Heidi, just, you know, getting back to, you know, the participants, both the, the attendees and mm -hmm. the presenters, you know, what were some of their concerns or some of their interests, you know, in switching from an in-person to a virtual format? What, what were some of their, 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 their feelings that were relayed back to say the program committee or the, or the, uh, the board? I, I didn't get too many on the, on the virtual host committee, but I imagine there was some going to the, the other groups involved with planning. Right, right. And we, we're still waiting on our survey uh, post-conference post-conference survey results. But um, from what I was gathering before the conference happened, I think people were concerned um, that Zoom would not provide <laughs> uh, the kind of interaction and engagement um, that we normally have at conferences where we can ask questions and have discuss discussions, sorry, um, and um, really connect. I think that was a big um, uh, concern. Um, other than that, I don't really remember um, because I think once they knew we were, I think once they knew what we were going to be presenting, the different themes and, and things like that, I think they were okay with that um, because there was some concern that they wouldn't be able to attend all of the sessions. So I think that was why the program committee decided to break it up into theme days. If you want to see education, come on this day. Um, but a lot of our attendees actually participated in things across the board. So we were really happy to see that. Um, but those, I think that was the main concern was the platform and could we pull it off? Could we, you know, have that same engagement and connection? So. <clears throat> so what do you feel were the hot topics this year beyond COVID? I mean, everyone was touched. Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic, um, but was there any other uh, relevant, timely discussions that were occurring? Yeah, um, we had some really good, and of course, like you said, COVID was, was you know, front and center <laughs> for everyone because we're all dealing with it right now. And I think, you know, as MPMA members, we all turn to each other to see what each other's doing and how that you're dealing with it and kind of commiserating. <laughs> And um, you know, getting advice from from each other. So of course, that was that was a big topic. But um, and like I said, we don't have our results from this conference survey, so I can't 
say for sure, but from my own personal observation, um, attending the conference, I was always checking those numbers of participants in each, in each session um, to see how many were in there. And I think our keynote um, sessions, like, they had really high attendance. So uh, I think those really brought in a lot of, a lot of people we had, you know, Seth um, Spillman, from the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum who talked about that like awesome uh, media, social media campaign, uh, hashtag the cowboy. Yes, um, I, yeah. think, I think if you were on the fence about social media, <laughs> COVID has, has changed that. I, you have to now have some type of a virtual presence. For which, sure, yeah. You know, the, mm -hmm. the initiative that uh, they tried, which worked like gangbusters. Oh my gosh, phenomenal. Yeah. Updating your Facebook page more frequently. <laughs> right. I agree. I think a lot of people are more aware and, and are adding so many more things, virtual tours, like we're working on at my museum um, and, you know, activities and programs and things online. So it's really, I think it's really great to see that happening. Um, so that was, yeah, the keynotes, um, you know, we had John Simmons uh, um, for the collections day. Um, he, you know, talked about caring for collections. He, you know, and he's the new, let's see, for the new uh, museum registrations method, the one that came out this summer. He's one of the um, or editors of that. So um, he was really a draw. <laughs> Um, and then I think our, our last keynote, Cinnamon, uh, Catelyn Legutko, she gave a great presentation. It was really thought provoking um, about decolonization in museums and inclusivity in boards and other areas of museums. Uh, so I think um, our keynotes really brought in a lot of people. Um, and um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, um, the, to remember the original question, sorry. <laughs> it was, oh yeah, what were hot topics? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so networking, there were some really fun yeah. evening <laughs> sessions. Um, and of course it's vital to our field. Was it hard to come up with original ideas or do they naturally flow for some of the more interactive sessions? You know, um, I think some of them were a little difficult to come up to, but we come up with because we were thinking, you know, what can we do where we don't have to be in the same room together to network and, and have a good time. Um, I think, uh, you know, we kind of came back to our, those old standby standards, the trivia and bingo. And, but I'll tell you what was really uh, something we weren't sure we wanted to do, but then we went ahead and did it and it was a huge hit was the um, show and tell with your personal collections. <laughs> it was awesome. And the people who participated in that, I think they just loved it, having a chance to show other people, you know, their treasures. <laughs> and oh, my students participated from <laughs> college and I, I just was watching knowing that they were so engaged. And <laughs> later the students talked about the entire conference as being something that was so of value to them. And they had essentially found their tribe. 
That's awesome. That was yeah. really important. That gets that part of that networking. So fantastic mm-hmm. idea. Kudos to you oh, and thank you. for that. Thank you. That is so good to hear. That is so good to hear. Um, so now that you are on the back end of the virtual conference, what lessons did you learn? If you had to pass on words of wisdom to someone planning a virtual conference, what would you pass on? Oh, Lord. <laughs> good question. <laughs> Um, have a, have a good team. (laughs) Um, we had such a great team and, you know, we really relied heavily, um, on our board members, like I said, and, um, we had people like John and Susan Rowe and Jason Harris and, you know, um, other people that I'm trying to Delana Trim, um, Donna Merkt, um, people that are on the board, very involved in MPMA and just gave it their all and really wanted this to work. So have a good team, first of all. Um, And honestly, now that I've been through it, I really had my doubts in the beginning as to, you know, if the platform would allow for us to really connect, just like the concerns that some other members had. Um, But it really worked better than I thought it would. And I still have that feeling on the last day at the end of the last session, you know, I didn't want it to end like I do normally in the in-person conferences. But then again, I didn't have to get up at 5 a.m. to catch the shuttle to the airport. So, you know, it was like, wow, okay, this is okay. Um, I I think, wow, really that's, that's probably. That's a great tip, really. Yeah, I just. <laughs> I think it's just, it's, it comes down to the people you're working with too. You know, they're just, I was so thankful that we had such a great team. So, Don't try to do it on your own. <laughs> that's excellent advice. So uh, to wrap up our interview, just like we have a stock question, we ask everyone at the beginning, we have one at the end. Uh, okay. what, is, what is your advice to the uh, emerging museum professional? You know, the, the person who's just getting out of college or who uh, might be just starting to consider the museum profession as you know, their chosen career field. What, what advice do you have for them? Sure. Um, well, I work with students for a living. So um, I'm, they're constantly asking me questions about this. And um, <clears throat> I think one of the things I tell them most frequently is just when you get out, when you're graduating, getting ready to graduate, just keep the faith rely on your network. Um, It's really hard at first. Sometimes it feels very daunting when you're trying to break into the field, uh, get that first job because everybody wants three years of experience, you know, (laughs) Um, but keep trying and call on your mentors uh, for help. And if you've gone um, to conferences while you're in school, you've gotten involved, you've networked, you've got some people you can can reach out to you to help you. So, so rely on your network. Don't give up. Um, stay involved. Um, as you expand your network, um, you'll find that knowing museum professionals throughout your state and the region is going to be really important. Uh, get involved. Um, like I said, volunteer to be on the scholarship committee. <laughs> um, do whatever you can to be involved uh, with those professional organizations. Um, and then, of course, continue learning. Um, there are always new developments developments in the museum world. Um, stay up to date, stay relevant, attend conferences, workshops. Um, there's so many. 
opportunities out there right now, especially. I keep <laughs> giving my students in my class all these links. Oh, go here. You can do this for free. And um, there's this training and there's this webinar. It's, it's just hugely abundant right now due to the pandemic. Um, so, and those don't require travel or, you know, huge monetary commitments. So, um, of course, I'm going to be happy to travel again <laughs> to conferences, but, uh, and I, I do encourage them to go to in-person conferences um, when, it, when it's safe, but um, continue learning is huge. I, I think we all, you all, me, I'm, I think we all do that in our profession. We just have to keep, keep, keep learning and stay up to date and relevant. So those are kind of my big, big three, I think. <laughs> well, thank you, Heidi, for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time to talk to us. <laughs> I'm so happy that you invited me. I've, I've, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I love what you're doing. And I'm definitely going to be following <laughs> all your podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. That wraps up this bonus episode of The M-Files. We'd like to thank Heidi Vaughn for joining us and sharing her insights and experience with the virtual MPMA conference. Before we sign off, remember to keep the conversation going until next time by following us on Facebook at The M-Files Podcast. Also, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Your input is appreciated as we continue to grow and develop our podcasts. Thank you.